But it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat now. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and close all the projects that I have open. I want to focus just on you guys here for about an hour, hour and a half. An I hour did. and a half. I don't think it's going to be an hour and a half. We'll see. No, you're, you yeah, know, famous last. I know words. famous last words. I was shocked last episode when I actually, I, I was sort of keep track of how long these things are when we're doing them. And I thought, I said, oh yeah, this is, and we had a short list and it turned out to be a full size episode. Right. It turned out to be a more than full size episode. It turned out to be an almost, the raw audio was almost two hours long. I, uh, so anyways, we'll see what happens oh, with today's shorter than average list. Well, you, what's, what were you going to say, Jeb? Are you sure? Okay, now now I've got the right page. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was looking at an earlier um, list. Uh, I was looking for some, some information. And by God, you know, sometimes our list has some pretty good resources. I know, huh? Who would think? <laughs> who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? Who would have thunk it? We should sell this. I know. So have you seen this video? This is, a, this is I'm going to call this the on-field landing of the week. All right. Yeah, this is the, yeah. the uh, I think it's a 210 that, a, uh, uh-huh, uh-huh. that according to the notes here, it's a Cessna 210 that had uh, gear extension problems and the mains wouldn't go down, but the nose gear went down, nose wheel went down and so uh you know and because everything is caught on video these days this was caught on video and uh and the guy landed the uh, airplane, airplane he, he, he did you know he did everything right he took his time yeah. uh, um and, uh, he maintained control um it was funny he, he the, the left seater gets out and basically is out of the airplane before the, the, the dust stops. Yes, okay. I saw that. Yeah, and, and, and then what? And, and he's just wearing t- jeans and a T-shirt, and he's in behind the airplane kind of stretching and kind of stomping his feet, making sure he's okay. And all of a sudden, he rushes around to the passenger side of the airplane and helps the guy out. <laughs> yeah, but then the, the guy in the right seat, the guy in the right seat climbs out and looks to all the cameras that are obviously aimed at him, right? Uh-huh. And does a little does a little curtsy, does a little bow, wow, you know, yeah. t- doffs his cap and the whole thing, and uh, made me wonder if maybe the guy in the right seat wasn't the one that was actually flying. I kind of wonder. It was maybe he was in instructor and and this guy was a student yeah um, because you're right the guy in yeah. the, the guy in the yeah. left seat was out fast all right you know and he was just wandering around behind the tail of the airplane kind of shaking his head going you know going oh my gosh what did i just do um and then suddenly and i thought you're right it looked like he was all by himself he was just like totally you know not worrying about anything and then all of a sudden he kind of like woke up all right and 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 kind of walks realize the other guy wasn't out of the airplane yeah and walks over to the right side of the airplane opens the door helps this guy out who climbs out and he's fine too and he does his little bow and uh, and then it is maybe a few minutes well a minute or so later um you kind of zoom in, and um, his girlfriend arrives. He's walked out there. Oh, I didn't see. I must have stopped and early. She, yeah. And she starts into him. <laughs> <laughs> You're never doing that again. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no, he did you just You told fine. me that this was safe stuff. Yeah. Well, it's obviously safe. Look, something like this can go wrong, and we still land no. just fine. It was just, it's, a, it's, a, it's an odd-looking thing to see this airplane with only the nose wheel. Um, I, I, have, I, have the, I don't want to play the video, but I have the video open, freeze-framed on my screen. And we see the airplane off in the distance. We see the silhouette of the airplane off in the distance. And, uh, uh, you know, the guy did, in my mind, 
Now, just an extraordinary job of keeping that puppy dead level, right. wings level, all the way down. And the tail skid actually looks like it hit a fraction of a nano of a second before the nose gear yeah, touched well, down. My guess, I would have thought that was what he was going for. Exactly. Uh, it's exactly uh, what he was going for. I it's, think it's so, te- too, yeah. yeah. It's pretty much a textbook example of how to do this. Yeah, yeah. So, of course, I think though, there's a- one thing that makes it a whole lot easier. What's that? Not knowing that the wheels aren't down. Then you just land perfect every time. Yeah, right. Well, <laughs> it, uh, I, think, I think, you know, Cessna could go to school on this, all right? This is, this, yeah. is a, this is a new model now, right? Because, I mean, you know, in a, this is really no big deal when you get right down to it. Gliders land this way all the time, right? Gliders only got one wheel center, you know, fuselage, uh-huh. and, uh, you know, they have to balance until they, uh, you know, come to a stop, and then they tip over on one wingtip, and it's like works fine every single time. I think, yeah. I think all of these power planes, you just, just go to one wheel centered under the middle of the fuselage yeah and, and yeah, the, the, there's a lot of people who would like that yeah who would like that <laughs> well uh, mechanics yeah right yeah okay true sheet, sheet metal manufacturers yeah 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 we'll just uh, get one of them one of them cirrus <laughs> diamond <laughs> well so, it's impressive he i think he probably did so little damage to that airplane relatively speaking yeah uh, that yeah, the only, uh, you know, the, only, the insurance company's going to get off pretty light, all in all. Uh huh. Yeah. The only thing that looked looked a little oops oopsie to me was um, the status of the left <coughs> horizontal stabilizer. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe I, I, the gear doors. Yeah. You know, well, the gear doors are shot. The gear doors should have come off a long time ago. Actually, that's the pro- That's why the gear failed to come down. It's an old two ten that still has gear doors. Oh really? I didn't yeah. know that. The, the 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 hot lick on those is just take them off. Really? You can, you can get an STC or something like that for it. Uh huh. Or and still- disable disable the door system and just take them off, and that problem is resolved. And you can still see them open on the on the starboard yeah. side. Yeah, of the no. Airplane. I mean, what yeah. what Jeb says makes sense because you can see them very clearly. And you don't you don't lose any airspeed. And and they're and they're open. They seem to be open asymmetrically. One seems to be more open yeah. in a, to a different degree than the other. Well, there's, there's two different doors there. Well, that's what I mean. But yeah. We, yeah. But, so. uh, but that's only on the right side of the airplane. The other side, which we really can't see, does not appear to have its doors extended at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, that tells me the problem was the left side gear doors, um, and that's where the whole system got hung up. Yeah, yeah. But it, so it would seem to me that, that by choosing to land with the nose wheel down, because I guess he could have chosen to retract the nose wheel and landed, I know where you're going. Hey. landed fully belly, which kind of in some ways would have been safer. Pre- presumably. Yeah, but but by assuming he chose to do it this way, you're right. Assuming he chose to do it this way, he he was able to protect the engine, which is, I think, That's a true. big deal. You know? That's true. What were you think? Is um, that where you thought I was going, Jeb, or what were you thinking? Well, I, there's, I guess two things. One is uh, it's not clear if he could have landed with the nose wheel up and retracted. Right. Um, the system may have, have jammed up to the extent that he could not retract the nose wheel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, the other thing is uh, sometimes even if you're, you're forced to leave the nose wheel down, it might not be a bad idea. Um, landing gear down in, in, a, in an emergency situation, if you're in a retractable, obviously, uh, with the exception of on water, will uh, help 
absorb you know the lo- the mm-hmm. loads and, and the g forces from uh, a touchdown on a rough surface. Sure, I happily sacrifice the landing gear of my airplane for the cabin. Yep, absolutely, absolutely, okay. yeah. So yeah, and as it, it, long as it's touching down slowly enough, and it's yeah. not going to have something rip off the, any gear that's out. I mean, look at how well protected the belly was in this right. particular instance, uh, because. And I'm betting that the, that nose gear wasn't nose gear wasn't coming back up. Uh, there's a, a, a known uh, right. issue with this landing gear system uh, that uh, says if you don't have fluid in the hydraulics that move everything, it won't go up or down. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm watching this video when when I was first watching it, I I kept coming back to my uh, old instructor. You know, saying, don't land on the nose wheel. Don't land on the nose wheel. <laughs> the nose wheel is not strong enough to be landed on first, all right? got to land on the mains first. And I'm watching this guy going, oh, okay, well, that's going to be a little problem here. Well, um, I, dare, well I dare say that if he had landed on the nose wheel uh, in this instance, that the outcome would not have been nearly as benign. Yeah, he, yeah. He, yeah, he could have eas- – I would imagine he could have easily collapsed it. And, uh, and yeah, so – which – goes back to what we said earlier about touching down tail first was uh-huh. was uh, a good plan assuming it was his plan it probably was well and the thing about the wheelbarrow type landing that's what you were talking about landing nose here first what you're really talking about is a wheelbarrow type landing where the tail is higher than the nose wheel and that really loads the nose gear differently than what we just saw in this video clip. yeah yeah this is true yeah but i mean but but it's just plain not strong enough, right? That that's my always was my understanding is that uh, no, it's, it's strong enough if it's not loaded incorrectly. I mean, if you don't put excessive force on it by the way you hit or the angle at which you hit, it'll hold the airplane up. Well, it kind of depends on the airplane. I mean, well, that's true too. Um, it did in this case. Yeah, it did on this case. Although it's. I mean, this guy's in the correct attitude. He's doing everything correct. He's minimum airspeed, full stall, you know, landing. It's, it's as I say, it's a textbook uh, video. Um, if, you know, God help me, if it ever happens to me, I hope I do it the same way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, you know, and he clearly was very, very patient about it. He, he actually did a go-around. Uh, he did the, two. Yeah. yeah, he yeah. did two go-arounds that, that we saw. I yeah. remember seeing a second one, but yeah, he definitely came in and then changed his mind and said, "I'm not ready to do this," and then uh, came in. Oh, I think he was just practicing. He was just, pra- yeah. Okay. Seriously, no. So I'm sorry. I'm I watching the video without sound right now. Here we go. He's going about Rick. He's coming I in. He might have cut the engine. I got the impression. I got the impression he, they maybe pulled the mixture uh, once they were committed. Um, but it just windmilled a little bit. You think? Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. There's almost there's a point at which you can almost see him maybe have pulled the mixture. I, I'm not going to run the video. I'm just looking at still right Yeah, now. no. I, well, and I and I'm watching. I just watched the touchdown right now, and um, at, just as he touched down, uh-huh. see, it's hard. It's an optical illusion. You can't tell from the way video shoots propellers whether uh-huh. or not you're really seeing the propeller slow down or whether you're just seeing some artifact of the of the various frame rates. 
Um, but the, the, the speed of the prop changed, I think, pretty clearly just as he yeah. touched down. So let's say that was him pulling the power. Or, or I think you might be right because it the prop stops horizontal to the ground. But that's exactly right. A is couple of hundred feet before it mm-hmm. stops sliding. Exactly. Before he yeah. even stops moving, uh, the prop has, has stopped. And so I think he cut, chopped power the moment he started hearing ugly noises. And, uh, <laughs> there, there, there's a big, big exhale. From the insurance adjuster oh, right yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. And look at this. He's kept the wings off now and just, I mean, he, let's see now. Yep. Look at that. The wingtip didn't settle to the ground until he actually stopped moving. I exactly. Yeah. He kept it uh, off the ground. That's an excellent job. That's really very impressive. And, uh, and those wingtips are cheap. And the yeah. uh, the fire trucks responding, right? To the, <laughs> I love the guy giving the bow, though. <laughs> I know. Yeah. And, and the, the fire fire guy walking up, he's shaking hands. Hey, you know, he's, he's <laughs> clapping. He's clapping as, as yeah. he walks up. Yeah. So, uh, anyways, 6575 X ray. Yeah, we got to do that here. The 1960 Cessna 210. 210D, as in Delta. X uh, Sorry. Six five seven five X ray. Yeah, it's a. Uh, let's see now. It doesn't. Nineteen sixty Cessna two ten. Yeah, it doesn't show a letter here. Let's see. Maybe. Well, I think that was the first year, wasn't it? No. No. Was so. the two ten around earlier than sixty? I think so. Continental I O four seventy. I mean, that's what uh, our old buddy uh, uh, Scott flew. Was a sixty two ten. Uh, yeah. So, Scott Crossfield. Oh yes, yes, yes. It, it, I th- I thought they came out in '58 or '59. You, you know, it's a right. shame in this day and age we don't have some device or some network that we could use. <laughs> okay. You mean well, like you're... the one that helped me find 1960 Cessna 210? Yeah. yeah, I could probably use that myself. Yeah, while you guys are looking that up, I'll say, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from uh, UCAP World Headquarters in scenic Epping, New Hampshire. And uh, I'm here this evening, this afternoon, actually, talking to my two good friends, uh, Jeb Burnside's out there, talking to us from somewhere near Sarasota, Florida. How are you doing, Jeb? I'm cold, man. Yeah, I it, know. It, it didn't break <laughs> 70 here today. Folks didn't hear that earlier before we started recording the Jeb was. Go ahead. Oh, no. Ahead. Have you broken I'm out done. the long johns? I'm done. <laughs> You're done, right? It was, almost, it was almost not shorts weather you said earlier. That's right. My gosh. <laughs> How do you live that way? I, I, I need to start a... Uh, you know, a campaign, a funding campaign, a Kickstarter or something. I, I got to do something. We got to fix this climate. Fix the climate. Yeah, right. You it's live true. in the warmest place in the continental no, I live U.S. In, I live in the wettest place well, in the continental U.S. That may be true, too, but I'll take wet. Although it's raining up here. It's raining well, up here in New Hampshire the last couple of days. You know? It's like, really? It's raining in December in Florida? It, is that I unusual? I don't it know. It is unusual. Yeah? Yeah. My experience is unusual. I, I, you know, you don't suppose it's climate change, do you? Nathan G. Large. I'm sure it can't be. Nathan G. <laughs> also here, uh, my other good friend, Dave Higdon, is talking to us from Wichita, Kansas. How are you doing, David? Oh, we're doing swimmingly. Just had a bodacious Christmas week, and uh, uh, it finally got warm enough here, close enough to the freezing mark, that, uh, that most of the snow we got before Christmas is gone. Not all of it, most of it. 
and uh, still really slick on some of our neighborhood streets that don't see an ounce of or a minute of sunlight every day. Mm-hmm. But the kids with their ice skates are loving it. So ice skate? They're not, you're not, they're not skating on the streets, are they? Sure, why not? Really? <laughs> I think you're making the good. Anyway, the Cessnas 210 was first went into production in 1957. Yeah. 57. Name so what have you been up to, David? Anything fun? You uh Well, I'm uh, going to be talking to some folks uh tomorrow evening about riding along on a uh a round robin of visits to airport uh, in residential air parks on New Year's Day. Oh, that sounds like fun. Yeah, yeah. It's, How many do you think you would get to? Well, the last time the last time I was able to do it, I was still flying our own airplane, and I hit four. Uh, one time since then, when I wasn't flying my own airplane, we hit three. But that was because the weather started to move in, and we mm-hmm. kind of decided the better part of smarts was not trying to hit the fourth one and wound up getting stuck there by ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we'll, we'll probably hit three, maybe four. Now, how far do you have to go to find four residential air parks out in your part of the world? Well, let me put it this way. If the airplane broke down and I needed somebody to fetch me, it'd be all of 40, 45 minutes for them to drive there. Really? Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, and I know there's a handful of them down where Jeb lives. Obviously, Jeb lives on one of them, but... Uh, they're they're kind of few and far between up here in New England, which is sad. But uh, they're they're not well, non-existent. But they're they're not as many as they're not as common as they are in other parts of the country. We've got. Last time I tried to do a count within a thirty-mile circle here, it got up into the high teens. Wait a minute, thirty-mile circle, high teens? Yeah. Wow. That's great. And that's just the ones that I could identify off the chart because a lot of them just have that that little icon on the on the uh on the uh charts that doesn't give you a name or any information about who owns it some of the others are actually charted uh with an identifier or a name and uh so the ones that we could identify i think we counted 17 or 18 truly in a 30 mile circle in a 30 mile circle yeah wow. of, of wichita around wichita yeah. 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 Now, how? What's? How, when how, was this? What's that? When was this? Recently, right, David? What's that? When did you make this count uh, in the thirty-mile circle? Oh, five six months ago, when oh. uh, when we were looking, <laughs> we were just trying to answer the question. Somebody said, "Well, how many how many little private strips are there around here?" And we started counting on our fingers, and then we took off our shoes. And right. Now, wait a minute. You're talking about private strips, or are you talking about residential air parks? All of the above, okay. All of the above. I mean, if if somebody's got a strip in their in on their backyard, it, that to me is a residential airport. Oh, but, all right, that's not exactly what I was thinking of. It's also a very cool thing, but that's. But you're talking about ones that are actually multi-owner, yeah. multi-housing. That's what I was uh, thinking of. Yeah, close to a dozen. Still a good number, Jeb. How? how I, I know a handful down in your. Obviously, you live on one. What, what other ones? How many more are there in your area? Well, there's there's this one and another one in Sarasota County alone. Uh, oh, really? Where's the other one in Sarasota? It's uh, south south end. It's um, between Venice and Englewood. Okay. Is it larger, uh, smaller, same size? It's it's grass. It's smaller in numbers of residents. Um, it's a nice little airport. Been to a couple of parties there. Um, um, 
Yeah, there's nothing wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. Now, obviously, yeah. Amy lives on one down further right. south in uh, in uh, in Fort Myer or north of Fort Myer. Um, Dan Johnson lives in the the great granddaddy of all air parks there up in uh, up over on the east coast. Right. I'm blanking Spruce on what Creek. it's called. Spruce Creek. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, uh, yeah. That's where I want to live, but there aren't an awful lot of them around here. The only ones that I, I've been able there's one there's the a north. reason for that. Yeah, what's that? This is another <laughs> this is another I can wear shorts in December line, isn't it? Right? That's what you're getting at. <sighs> I wasn't going to put it that <laughs> yeah, way. But right, since, okay. <laughs> since you seem you seem so fond of, of recalling that. I know. Okay. I'll just let it I'm slip. coming down soon. Get ready, man. It's like only a couple weeks out before I head that, head that way. So uh Oh, he's he was talking about washing his hair that week. Oh, okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I don't know what that means exactly. <laughs> Um, this next item on the list we talked about, I think we talked about this a little bit. Do we need to talk this? Uh, so, uh, I thought we touched on this last week. Yeah. That it was on the stuff we weren't going to get to list last week, and I thought we got to it. We did so, We did talk about this at at, at length, as I recall. All right. Uh, we better – people are yelling at us. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? This is the uh, the, the fact that the well, – Don't uh, put it in. Congress has uh, – no, because I, this is a big deal. This could be a big deal. This could be the biggest avi- general aviation story of 2014. All right? I'm on the record right now. Okay. 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 Yeah. All right. That's not far-fetched. I'm sorry, folks. We're talking here about the fact that Congress, separate from the FAA, is making motions to try and loosen the medical requirements, to basically get rid of the third-class medical, or not get rid of it, but make it so you can fly many small airplanes without having to have a third-class medical. The General Aviation Pilot Protection Act. Yeah. And, uh, you know, when this first, when this first uh, you know, kind of was revealed, was presented, was proposed, um, I think we even talked about it a little bit. And we said, well, it's kind of a nice idea, but, you know, it's probably not going to go anywhere. And, uh, and I just keep hearing about it more and more places. that this, this... I, I don't remember being shy on its prospects at all. Really? Uh, you think? You, you, it... Hey, look, with the general, here's where I, I begin to remember the last time we talked. With the General Aviation Caucus alone having about 50% of Congress on both sides of the aisle and both sides of the hill. Uh, remember, this is the same group that got us the uh, Pilots' Bill of Rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same group that got the General Aviation Revitalization Act that just went through a few weeks ago that the president has since signed. That's uh, the Congress stepping in to try to force FAA to act quickly on the recommendations of an aviation rulemaking committee uh, that came up with about 150 ways to simplify and uh, Part 23 certification, uh, eliminate a bunch of redundancies, uh, and cut the cost of the process substantially. Uh, Several members of Congress didn't feel like the FAA's record uh, was uh, all that good for moving on things that weren't its idea, so they passed legislation. President Obama signed it. Uh, now we'll see what happens. So right on the heels of that happening, uh, second week of December, uh, Congressman Todd Rokita, Republican from Indiana, uh, backed up by several other members of the General Aviation Caucus, introduced this GA Pilot Protection Act. And as Jeb said, it dramatically uh, opened up the access to flying without uh, a medical certificate. Uh, there are some provisos in there about you having a valid driver's license and being able to pass a driver's physical in the state of your residence. 
Uh, that's pretty simple. But this would bloody well open it up to everything under six, everything up to six thousand pounds. Only- Single engine, multi engine. Mm-hmm. Day, night, the only thing that it came short on, and this is where something else we touched on, was uh, uh, allowing IFR. Yeah. Right. Jeb, and jump I in. think that could wind up in there. Yeah. Jeb, jump yeah. in here. Um, that's the only fly in the ointment, is, is the uh, uh, eliminate or not, non-inclusion, shall we say, of, yeah. uh, of IFR into this. Yeah. Uh, that having been said... Um, yeah, I, I certainly understand the, the foot in the door argument, and, and there's, I've had some some online discussions about this. Um, but and, and we don't know, you know, where they started in the, um, the, the 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 brain trust that was developing this legislation. So hopefully they started with IFR and decided maybe that was a bridge too far. Um, and I know how that, all that works, so I can you know figure that figure all that out. The punchline, though, is there's a lot of other jumping off points. We could be saying, well, okay, you can do this on a, you can fly IFR on a driver's license medical if you're in a TAA, a uh, technically advanced airplane, uh, aircraft. Um, and you could say, oh, well, with a working uh, two axis autopilot, you can fly IFR. Things like this. Um, the blanket prohibition, uh, I think, A, doesn't work, I think it's a safety hazard. But B, I think it will eventually be resolved if, in fact, this all goes through. Wait, wait, wait. what's the safety yeah. hazard? I think not including IFR operations in this is a safety hazard. Really? I think, Why? Yes. Yeah. Uh, oh, Jeb, you go first, and then Dave. Yeah, Jeb's okay. got Jeb's got this pen. Go ahead. Um, because people will get um, far from home or have to be somewhere, and the weather will be eh, but they're instrument rated. And um, they'll say, well, you know, I, I can't do this on a driver's license medical, but um, I'm good enough. I can, I, can go, I can go do this. So they take off, and the weather worsens, and they either go IMC um, without a clearance or they um, scud run and run into something. How is that any different than the risk that, that, that third-class medical folks without an IFR ticket will decide to to fly because there's just an overconfidence there's a there's a, uh, you know, I can pull this off um, so what you're saying is a people... among among the instrument rated pilots um, and uh, you know who's going to find out of course if if they uh, go ahead and file um, that's the safest thing to do is go ahead and file get in the system Fly the IFR procedures and and call it a day, and you'll be home when you're in your bed. Okay, so, doing it the, doing it the other way is is uh, statistically the wrong way to do it. So you think this is a problem because so many already instrument rated pilots will now be flying without a third class medical? They will sort of become downgraded, if you will. N- well, n- yes and no. Uh, I think they'll just forego getting a third-class medical, okay, right, and get caught with their, you know, uh, needing it or needing to go IFR someplace or at some point when the weather caves on them, and they either will try to to scud run. But it's the people who already had an IFR ticket that you're talking about. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So you're not but saying we, that people who don't have an IFR ticket are suddenly more likely to 
to break no. the rules. No, I am not saying You're just that. saying that people have this skill that they feel like they ought to be able to exercise, but they're not allowed, and they're going to do it anyways. Well, let's look at this. No, for, no, for, I'm, not, I'm not saying they're going to do it anyway. Come back to you, David. They, Go ahead, Jim. They, they may. What I'm saying is they will be encouraged to continue VFR into I instrument conditions by not having... Um, um, by not being legally able to file and fly IFR, even though they have the rating and the airplane is qualified for it. Hmm. So because they cannot legally file and fly IFR, they will be encouraged to scud run. Okay. David, you That is more dangerous, much more dangerous uh, as far as statistics are concerned. Oh, yeah. The scud running. Than, yeah. Than, than turning loose a fully instrument rated and qualified airplane and pilot into the system. Mm -hmm. David. The accident record of non-current instrument pilots doing exactly what Jeb is talking about demonstrates that there's that tendency out there among instrument-rated but not up-to-date instrument pilots. Uh, some of them have fallen behind on their currency. Some of them have just let it lapse and decided, ah, you know, I, I got an hour of hood time at my last biennial. I'll be good this time. Mm-hmm. But then they won't file. There are risks to other people as well as themselves. But let's flip this, what Jeb's talking about, to another perspective. Being able to become instrument rated without the requirement of a third-class medical could go a long way toward encouraging more pilots mm -hmm. to get the training. Okay. That's, which that's does compelling. tend to make them safer pilots even when they're not filing IFR no, I, I or flying that. IFR. I believe very, that. That's a very good point. Yeah. Uh, and, and I think that that's where including instrument flying will get sold to mm -hmm. this arg in this argument is the, the, the p positive potential safety benefits out of letting people train and acquire their instrument rating and use it without the medical. Uh it, it just opens up the door so much more and doesn't lessen the requirements of earning the instrument rating whatsoever. Mm -hmm. uh, and if you wanted to ratchet it up a little bit with two hours of special class time on medical self-certification for instrument pilots, mm -hmm. yeah, fine. Let's do it. They're already talking about special uh, awareness training for people that fly on a driver's license, uh, SANS Medical, in this bill anyway, just as the EAA AOPA petition included language for that. Yeah. But the big difference here is that the AOPA and the EAA petition was basically expanding sport pilot privileges to aircraft of up to 180 horsepower and up to two seats, as long as you didn't carry more than one passenger. This removes that limitation exactly. altogether. Exactly. You, can, you can carry five passengers. That means you can fly six-seat aircraft. That means an, a an A36 Bonanza is a, is a great candidate for that. Is there a passenger limitation in five. the bill? Yes. Okay. Okay. Five pass up to six seats, they say. That's a okay. pilot and five passenger. And uh, it's like that's 90-odd percent of the fleet yeah. Well, that but, is but now is there open a, to us. There's a 250 knot limit. Yeah. On how fast you can go, uh, I believe there was a 14,000 foot limit on uh, uh, on uh, uh, the operational ceiling. Uh, I know. I do remember there was an altitude limit. I believe it was 14,000. 
250 knots, maximum speed, up to six seats, five passengers, day and night VFR. Uh, let's go ahead and throw IFR in there for the for the positive safety aspects that being able to get an instrument rating and use it under these circumstances would bring to the whole measure. Yeah, that's very interesting. Anyways, the, the biggest and, story. And the FAA is to blame for this happening, baby, because if they'd have moved that's on right. their own, this wouldn't have happened. Yeah, that's right. So. We're going to follow this one, obviously, very, very oh, carefully. Yeah, I'm rooting, I'm yeah, rooting, I'm rooting for this, too. I mean, obviously, um, it's going to be interesting to see what does happen with this. Um, it'll be interesting to see what uh, sway the FAA's medical branch has. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, how strongly some people in Congress feel about this. And right now... It's looking pretty damn good on the congressional side. Uh, and the FAA side has just been like stone silent on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's officially. my impression. How yeah. does it work? Can, can Congress direct the FAA to do this? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely they can. Sometimes the FAA is slow yeah right witness the pilot's bill of rights right well witness the uh change in uh right seat requirements for for commercial pilots and air transport pilots that raised the minimum hours from 250 to 1500 which throws a whole through a whole lot of guys into and women in the professional pilot pipeline out to the wolves because now they're needing years more time logged before they can qualify for that right seat and baby that time ain't free that's right yeah yeah okay the voices of the uncontrolled airspace podcast are participating as a cross between parody and satire their utterances do not necessarily reflect either reality or sanity also anything you hear on this podcast that sounds like information or truth is obviously very wrong You should always consult your own intelligence, remember your experience, and ignore the ever-humorous pile of blowing snow that you find here. But everyone knows that. Well, the U.S. government, in its infinite wisdom, God bless them, they're always on the lookout to take care of us, okay, <laughs> have, have decided that before we start using drones all that much, all right, we need to uh, do some testing. And so they have declared test sites here in the United States. I don't know. See, this, I'm, bit, I'm just rambling now based on the, on the headline. Uh, I find it a little ironic that, that, that the, uh, somebody, the military or somebody's making a big deal about, about this testing program when they've been using drones left and right all over the world um david you put this story on the list what's the story here so the uh, the feds announced test test sites for drone aircraft right the faa laid out a plan if you will a five-year plan sounds very socialist a five-year plan for integrating uh unmanned aerial vehicles into the national airspace and uh, set out a, a, a roadmap to allow commercial use of those uh, in the commercial airspace, or the public airspace, along with the rest of us that know how to see and avoid. Uh, and as part of that process, the FAA announced that it was going to establish six test sites around the United States, each one 
focusing on specific areas of drone operation, like uh, one of them in New York will focus on uh, integrating drones into high-density airspace like the eastern seaboard. Uh, one in Nevada will do some stuff on sea and avoid. There's one in Alaska, uh, North Dakota, Texas, and another in Virginia. These are all research sites. The FAA just announced them today. That's uh, December 30th. And uh, the, the the six states that are the beneficiaries of this have all been angling for it real heavily because there's research and development money that's going to be spent in and around those sites and in the states where it's done. Uh, that's contract work for a lot of companies that are in the drone business. Uh, and the issues that they are working to resolve, uh, you know, include how to make sure that a drone has the capacity, and I use drone in a generic sense, a drone has the capacity to do what a human pilot does, and that's if it sees you, avoid you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Without, inter- without intercedence by the remote pilot, wherever they may be. Now, now is that, the, that, in fact, the nature of this testing? It's in order to figure out how to integrate these drone aircraft into the regular uh, well, that, airspace. That's, that, that's one of the issues. Uh-huh. Uh, some because of the other it, issues are going to be how to coordinate command and control between the operators of the drone and the air traffic system uh, and how those drones will be tagged and identified in the ADSB airspace of the next few years. Uh, there's a lot of issues here. Oh, sure. And, and, but and, now you mentioned, so yeah, Alaska, Nevada, New York, North Dakota, Texas, Virginia. Um, the ones that jump out at me are New York and Virginia as being somewhat populous areas. Um, and, yeah, this, and, is, this is Virginia Tech. It's downstate. Okay. Yeah. Not so not so popular, but Black, still. Blacksburg, I believe it is. Yeah. Are, are these – so does it say in this article more specifically where these areas are? These are not like, you know, public airways, are they? Well, they're in the public airspace, yeah. They're not like some of, them are they're... In, some of them are going to be in in more restricted airspace initially, but the idea is to get them out and about. Well, that makes the pe- the sentence that I saw when I was reading this thing well, earlier a whole lot more sinister. Jeb, you talk while I find my sentence. Keep, keep in mind that, that not all of these sites are going to be conducting flight testing, A. B, that even if they do conduct flight testing, it doesn't have to be... Uh, undertaken at these particular sites. Mm-hmm. Correct. I, I guess I don't understand that. What, they're not going to do flight testing? What, what are they going to do? Well, I mean, the, New York's Griffiths International Airport. Griffiths International plans to work on developing test and evaluation as well as verification and validation processes under FAA safety oversight. Tell me where it says flying a drone in there. Okay. <clears throat> well, that would make me feel a little better, actually, that they weren't you know, yeah. quite ready to... F- test these things in the public airspace, you know. Uh, New York site at Griffiths International Airport will look into integrating drones into the congested northeast airspace. Nevada offers proximity to military aircraft from several bases, which they also have different issues with. Uh, Tests will determine whether drones can detect and avoid aircraft and other obstacles and if they can operate safely when contact is lost with their operators. 
which is a recurring issue. Right. That's the, and that's the sentence that caught my attention. I did find it. Tests will determine whether drones can detect and avoid aircraft and other obstacles, and if they can operate safely when contact is lost with operators. Where do you they, see that? Uh, it's it's about half, two-thirds of the way down the story. It's about the one, two, three, four, five, Oh, you're six. looking at the story. I'm sorry. I, I'd paragraph gone, from the end. I, I'd gone ahead and grabbed the uh, FAA press release on it. Yeah, no, no. I'm looking at the uh, – this is a story from Kansas.com, Dave, your old stomping grounds, right? The old, right. The Eagles uh, uh, website here. No, I, see, I see the sentence you're talking about. Yeah. So uh, I, I don't know what to make of any no of this No fear, stuff. no fear. The tinfoil people are watching out to make sure that this doesn't turn into anything like black helicopters. That's so. true. They'll take care of us. They'll keep it all under yeah. control. I, uh, you know, part of me says, you know, this is technology and they'll figure this out and see and avoid will work. And in fact, these things will be better at see and avoid than, than the average 152 operator. Um, but another part of me well, says this is a government project. and uh, The technology exists. We can make them stronger. Oh, wait, that's a TV show. Yeah. The technology yeah. exists. What, what's the other saying? Never fly in the alpha version of anything? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, here's my other favorite part about this story. Okay? So, so kind of low down in the story, they're talking about different, different groups, different, t- different people, different types of people who are opposed to this idea. And I find it interesting that both... Both the uh, the uh, where to go here the uh, um, civil liberties uh, uh, people uh, and and Rand Paul are both yeah, opposed to this. Yeah. All right, it's uh, I'm sorry. Well, of course, of course, Rand Paul's against it. He's against anything. He's against anything. Right? Okay. <laughs> All right. Let's not do it. You know, but he's uh, he's he's got some good points. I, I didn't open that door. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I know. Okay. But you <laughs> ran right through it. Right through it. Uh, so, anyways. It's it's all pretty interesting. I it, it continues to amaze me, and maybe this is more suitable for for the uh, for the drones podcast. But uh, it just continues to amaze me that people are not more. I mean, we're concerned on for the most part. We're we're goofing around about this, but we are for the most part concerned about the issues of 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 con- not congestion, but of you know conflicts between these aircraft and and more traditional aircraft. Um, it, it just amazes me that people aren't more freaked out about the Skynet aspects of this whole thing. That people are just robot stories everywhere you look. All right, there was like uh, Google just bought the 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 company here in 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 Greater Boston that makes the scary dog like robot. You know the story I'm talking about, all right? Yeah. yeah. Google has embraced ro- why Gary in the world dog like robot. Okay, go ahead. You know what I'm talking about. There's I, I may. What's it called? It's like Boston Dynamics is the name of the company that Google that's been in the Oh, yeah. And they've got that. every yeah. every couple times a year they have a viral video about their their latest robot. And they're doing some cool robot stuff and one of them is this sort of dog-like shaped robot that runs and jumps and does, you know, interesting things and from a technology standpoint it's very very cool, but it's kind of scary from other um it's it's really going to have to work on its house training because when it pees hydraulic fluid on the carpet, <laughs> yeah, no. it's going to so, be over. But, but of all things, Google just bought this company, all right? And it turns out Google's already been doing robot stuff. Mm-hmm. They uh, they won some, I was reading some other thing, they won some robot uh, contest where, you know, they're, they're, they're sort of like the, the Olympics for robots, which, which is a whole other concept, all right? The Olympics right. for robots. Think about right. this for a second, okay? Right. Have right. we crossed a line or not, all right? Olympics for robots. Robots competing in athletic, basically, you know, robot athletics um, events to determine who is the best robot in the world. Don't, in, you know, in this corner, the T-1000 versus... 
right. You know, it's like I don't know. There was a great Colbert line one time when they he was made talking a movie to somebody about it. He says, "I forget the exact line, but Colbert's line was something along the lines of, you know, in what universe does this not turn into some kind of apocalypse?' You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, and uh, well, so so Google bots, so robots, so drones. Why are people not more concerned about the sci-fi gone wild? All right. Um, you well, know. one of the reasons may be because the people who seem to have any concern about this come off like wing nuts when their main concern is a drone patrolling your backyard barbecue for a big gulp in New York City, sure. or to make sure you're separating your recyclables when there's really serious crap. That could be done with these, but the wing net patrol—they've got to ridiculize everything because that seems to be what's best understood by their fan clubs. Anyways, I, I so I don't know. We, we've ran, we've we've definitely wandered off the subject here. Um, the 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 feds, the military have designated six places or six states where there are going to be places where they're going to test drones, and um, don't worry, it's going to be fine. It's the government. Yeah, so, I, I guess ha- I guess two thoughts. One, this is. FAA's actions basically are targeting commercial use of drones. Um, the federal government and military's use of drones, that train's already left the station. Yeah. Um, they're and, exempt anyway. Yeah, and they're exempt anyway. They can do any damn thing they want. And increasingly, law enforcement has that ability also. Well, public the, aircraft, yeah. Yeah, what we're talking about in this in, in the FAA testing is, is commercial use of drones for like uh, – um, uh, real estate is a great example. Real estate photography, um, uh, other research uh, um, types of activities. The information and the privacy issues are still just as dynamic and just as important, uh, perhaps more so uh, when it comes to the commercial side. And, and no one's really talking about that. The other thing going on here, though, too, is ultimately what we're talking about here is how to how – to, automate and, and induct or include uh, coexist with robots in the national airspace system mm-hmm. yeah and, and I don't think FAA, anyone's really thought about it in those terms if they have I they had certainly hasn't crossed my desk yeah well and the FAA has already gotten pretty heavy-handed with some use of uh, photographic drones mm-hmm. for things like commercial real estate I've been hired occasionally to do aerial photography of, of real estate properties uh, for the lender's portfolio records. Uh, there's a lot of business in that day-to-day in the United States. Yeah, sure. If you could eliminate the pilot and the aircraft, uh, make the guy flying the drone the photographer, uh, you could you know, greatly whack down the cost of doing this, and a drone with a camera is bound to use less fuel. Uh, so there's another whack at the cost. Mm-hmm. But the FAA has has started landing like a sledgehammer on some of these guys, uh, citing the prohibition for using against using drones for commercial purposes. But they're getting some pushback here, and I think they're going to lose this pretty quickly. Yeah. Oh yeah, they're going to lose this. One. They're going to lose this because the the, uh, the 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 act that created the FAA and gave them their authority over the airspace stops at five hundred feet. Five hundred well, feet coming down. Five hundred so, feet and up, they got right, right. But five hundred feet, and down. feet, no, that's not theirs to regulate. Yeah, Jeb, you were going to say something. Uh, 
Um, I guess not. not. Really. Okay. No, I, 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 um, all right. So I'm sorry. I thought you were just trying to jump in there. No, Anyways. I, uh, so I, they're going to, the drones are, are coming. <laughs> the drones are coming. There's the title right there. And, uh, um, they're going to test them over. We didn't know they were even breathing hard. Yeah, and they're going to test them over New York City. <laughs> moving on, moving on. Uh, it's true, it's true. Uh, uh, te- uh, what was it? Um, Textron is going to buy Beechcraft. Beechcraft. It's true. I heard something like that. Yeah, well, we talked about it last episode. It was a rumor back then, and it's been confirmed since then. Yeah. All right, and so we talked about it last time. Here's the the new. The, I, mean, I just want to extend one thing we talked just for a few minutes about last time. I just can't even imagine that the feds are going to let this happen. All right, this is such a so, oh son son what. Son. All right, all right, I'm going to let you say. I'm going to let you. I'm going to let you explain why I'm wrong, David. But but first, let me just tell you what really got me going here. The link that I put on the list here, um, the Avweb story. It talks about how Textron. This is uh, from Avweb.com. Textron fleshes out the beach deal. The first sentence is Textron expects to gain sixty-five to eighty-five million dollars annually with the quote synergy end quote of combining Cessna and Beechcraft. See, to me, that's like, you know, that's code for less competition. Um, that's code for, uh, well, this is, this is, this is not a, bet, a good deal for, for, for the GA customer. This is going to reduce competition in the GA world. Uh, let's, look at the, let's look at the nuts and bolts. Uh, okay, the nuts and bolts, and, and I'll try to make really quick. Nuts and bolts are both companies have to have people who buy, invoice, and bill for stuff. Some of that can be combined, and the number of people in charge of it can be reduced, and there's salary savings and infrastructure savings that can come from that. Uh, and that can add up pretty quickly with two companies this size. Uh, they don't compete at all anymore. Okay, the Cessna has nothing that compares or competes with the Bonanza or Baron. Uh, the uh, Corvallis, such as it is, doesn't compete with anything Beach makes. The King Airs, which are the crown jewels on this, are nothing but complementary to, to the Caravan. Uh, and that single-engine turboprop that we know Beach was starting to work on a couple of years ago uh, is exactly something that Cessna's been eyeing uh, as a as a model between the caravan and the in the Mustang, the Citation Mustang. Uh, so there's not a lot of competition there. Cessna is going to realize some valuable technology that could help it save money in manufacturing. Uh, and I don't see 65 to 85 million being a big chunk of money when you talk about combining these. Uh, they're not talking about getting back into the jet, getting back into production, any of uh, Beechcraft's jet properties. That would be the premier... The Hawkers, what type certificates they still owned, and the Hawker Horizon 4000, whatever. Uh, Cessna doesn't want to produce those. They'd compete with what they've got anyway. So there's more mesh in the product line. I don't really see Cessna killing off anything that Beach makes except maybe the Baron. And special missions could keep the Baron alive. Okay. Jeb, anything? The, uh, the one of the things that strikes me is that reading down to the last paragraph of this web story is the uh, support of the Hawker fleet 
and uh, that work occupies about a third of Beach's total income. So that's not going to go away anywhere. Okay. Yeah. Um, the thing that that I think in the short run is going to be a problem for the uh, Bonanza and Baron um, is, God forbid, Textron starts putting Lycomings in them. I know. You said that earlier. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't see that happening. I don't see that happening either, but here, here's what could happen. Push comes to shove, <clears throat> and you know, some fresh out-of-school MBA says, hey, you know, we can save a lot of money uh, and, and pump up our engines division a little bit if we just put Lycomings in these things. And uh, I can see, you know, someone saying, hey, that's a great idea, not knowing what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. um, at the Textron level, not at the Cessna level, not at the beach level. So I don't know where that would go. Um, well, something to remember, this is the company that put a Continental in its light sport airplane. I agree. I, I understand that. Yeah. I understand that. But look how that turned out. <laughs> Okay. Not even going there. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on here. Um, our good buddy, Steve Tupper, uh, like, w- whenever Steve has occasion to fly the airlines, uh, he, he, likes to, uh, he likes to urge, and he likes to make reference to the possibility that the airline crew might have the fish as part of their dinner and thus become incapacitated, and thus he would get a chance to, uh, to move up the aisle. And, a, bl- uh, a blatant reference to the movie Airplane and, and, yes. and su- subsequent. But uh, yeah. ha- have the fish was a, was a, is a good hashtag for all this. Yeah, have the fish, and so, uh, um, and and I've always just kind of thought, oh, that's very clever, Steve. Good, good joke. All right, but that's just not going to happen. All right, but now we've got here, Jeb. You put this link on here. What happened? American Airlines flight attendants were taken ill. This is a story out of uh, WFAA Television in Dallas, um, and it's, de- it's datelined uh, December twenty three. Says several American Airlines flight attendants. We're taken to a hospital. In, oh, this is uh, Miami, apparently. We're taken to a hospital in Miami Monday afternoon when they were overcome by a strong odor. Da 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 da. An American spokeswoman, Andrea Hewley, explained that the odor emanated from a leaking cargo bin filled with fish. <laughs> right. I, I can only imagine how good that smelled. But but you know, I, I have a shout out coming. Uh, based on this. Okay. So, All right. So. so they were taken to the hospital. They were like seriously incapacitated by the fish smell, huh? <sighs> I, okay. What, what? How did this, this cargo container get to leaking that badly? I, yeah. And I don't know. Do they really ship fish on, 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 uh, on passenger airlines? Sure. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Cargo, cargo baby doesn't know what it's in. I, cargo I guess. Is cargo. I guess. David, any thoughts on uh, have the fish? Well, uh, they, they might have been able to avoid it if they'd have brought hush puppies on. But <laughs> finally, finally, we have here uh, <laughs> so maybe some butter sauce in a dish. Yeah, and, right. There you go. <laughs> tartar sauce. Or well, something? speaking of airline attendants, <laughs> speaking of airline attendants, David, you were amused by this uh, by this twelve days of Christmas uh, a parody uh, video that's uh, floating around there, flying around there. Dave, what, tell us about this. What is it? Uh, the, the 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 link will be in the show notes, of course, but it's called the Twelve Days of Flying. And from all the shots of uh, uh, of the uh, 
the famous little biscuit cookies that are this is brought to you by the IFS 360 and Velvet 360 teams. I'm not sure who they are, but it looked like a Delta thing. Well, there was definitely some Delta logos appearing in it, and I thought it was Delta, but then it didn't end up with, you know, sort of Merry Christmas from Delta Airlines, which is what I was well, expecting. I don't think Delta I don't think Delta did it, but if some of the shots show the world famous Gourmet Center Biscoff cookie. Yeah. Okay, matter of fact, it's and it, it's the closing line in the 12 Days of Christmas parody, uh, world-famous Biscoff cookie. Uh, all the seatback screens have the Delta logo. The flight attendants are all wearing Delta badges. Really? Uh, See, oh, so yeah. The napkins that they showed the Biscoff cookies are this Delta. Is, yeah. I didn't realize uh, there were that many Delta references in the whole thing. They I, are everywhere, baby, including the credit cards. Which five gold I don't really know what to make of this. It's like you know someone's going to lose their job here. I don't know. I, you know, this is this is professional work, guys. It's oh, very yeah. well, you know, in this day and age, that's not. No, no, I don't think you necessarily can make that distinction. I, I you know, it's a little bit on the nose. It's not the most you know kind of flattering expression of the way the flight attendant crew look at the passengers. And uh, and so I'm watching this thing going, wow, Delta really approved this? And, but I'm not sure if Delta did approve it, and I'm not I'm sure. I'm not sure they did either, but maybe between the lighting, the sound, yeah. the yeah. editing, uh, the video quality. Uh, <clears throat> Believe me, there's, it's, there's professional and there's professional these days, and sometimes you can't tell the difference. My big question coming out of this video was, what's a FAM and a LEO? <laughs> no, I'm serious. So it's an acronym, I guess. It seems like an acronym. Um, it's uh, and it has to do with a passenger of some sort. And FAMs I, are, are federal air marshals. Ah. Uh, Leos are law enforcement officers. Ah, uh, okay. Oh, okay. Now is, they're all they're all carrying a, a firearm. Now it makes sense. Sorry. Now I get it. Now I get it. And now, and, and they're not exactly portrayed as buddies in arms yeah i know really they were like kind of glaring at each other across the cabin as uh, these two guys so but that, i thought it, i thought it was hilarious it was sent to me by a buddy of mine who used to make his living in this kind of environment uh before he uh came to his senses and got a job uh, at the faa uh okay okay <laughs> all right well on that note shout outs jeb you said you had a shout out what's yeah. going on uh harking back to the um the uh, fish story. Uh, my shout out is to the ground crew who got to clean that up. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, more power to you guys and gals. Yeah, really. I, yeah, I, I, I don't even know where to go with that. I, I, don't, uh, I don't either. It's just the, the thought. Well, that, that's so, breathing know. apparatus territory. Yeah, that's definitely uh, hazmat. Hazmat suits and all. Uh -huh. Yeah, exactly. But they did work to scale. Oh, oh, <laughs> Gee, David, I'm, I was going to offer you a chance to do a shout-out, but I think I'm not going to. Now I will. David, you got any shout-outs? Uh, no? Actually, my shout-out is to all of our listeners who hang in there with us year in and year out. Uh, this now well into, what, year seven, year eight, and I've lost track. Me too. Wishing you a great 2014. A shout-out to all of you all because you're the ones that make it work. There you go. There you go. That's Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer, an aviation journalist, and the U.S. editor for London's World Aircraft Sales Magazine. What have you been working on, David? Anything fun? Any good stories? Uh, 
I got a couple of uh, a couple of pieces coming in this month's uh, uh, Avionics News Magazine, which you'll find at most FBOs and avionics shops and maintenance shops. Uh, one of them you may want to look into about uh, the advances in uh, lithium batteries that are coming to GA aircraft and, and, and the maintenance that they require. And there's a second story in there, but damned if I can remember what it was. Really, lithium batteries in airplanes, and that's a good thing. In this particular case, yeah. Okay. Uh, we had a story in the, uh, in the uh, I guess it was the December issue, about a new technology, uh, lithium chemistry. Uh, from a company called A123 Systems, and it's been licensed for production by Midcontinent Instruments. And they have developed and are in the process, I believe they have approvals now for both of them, uh, a, uh, a small battery 24-volt for typical FAR-23 GA aircraft and a fairly large uh, version for uh, small business turbine aircraft, uh, light jets and single-engine turboprops. And they plan to expand that. Uh, line from those two, but this particular technology carries none of the major safety hazards of the kind that we saw in the Boeing 787 incident last year. Yeah, well, that's what they all said. But okay, I'll believe it. I want to see that story. That sounds interesting. And where can people find you on the internet? Oh, they can find me at AEA.net, avbuyer.com, uh, or do a Google search, roll the dice, and remember that I don't play golf, so I'm not the golf writer, and my theoretical physics is deciding how far an egg will bounce if hard-boiled. That's right. On the Twitter, you're uh, twitter.com slash realhigden. Correct. And Jeb Burnside is a uh, freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Jeb, what have you been working on? Well, I'm uh, working on Aviation Safety Magazine, actually. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, basking very soon. <laughs> okay. You're uh, almost done. You're almost uh, done. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite ready to, to for the fat lady to warm up, but uh, mm -hmm. uh, we're looking at the end of the tunnel yeah. for sure. And where yeah. can people find you on the Internet? Uh, jeburnside.com, um, aea.net, aviationsafetymagazine.com, uh, sometimes on the Twitter machine, sometimes on Facebook. And on uh, on Twitter, you're twitter.com slash burnsidej. Burnsidej. There you go. And I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a new media producer. Please check out my uh, Kindle eBooks uh, over at uh, Amazon.com slash author slash Jack Hodgson. Also, keep, out, keep an eye out for new things at AroundTheField.net. Uh, as 2014 starts to get rolling, I think we're going to see some cool stuff at AroundTheField.net. Uh, and you can learn more about me at JackHodgson.com and follow me at Twitter at uh, Twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson. Big thanks to Jeff Ward for his help with our show notes and in the forum. David, what were you going to say? Live long, enjoy life by going flying because, as you've probably heard, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Happy New Year, everybody. <laughs>